You are listening to MBR and on Mountain Bike Radio. Hello and welcome to an episode of MBR and today with me, Matt from Just Riding Along is Taylor Ladine, a solo racer extraordinaire guru of all things pedaling for long periods of time. Um, he knows himself a lot better, so I'll let him introduce himself. What's up, guys? Thanks for having me, Matt. I appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Um, so Taylor is someone that I met at Moab Rocks last year. Uh, you were there racing, camping with John and whatnot. Yep. And anytime John's around, that's like uh, immediate. What is that? Like one degree of separation. You're like, okay, we're friends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, especially JD. JD is awesome and Anybody that's friends with JD is is going to be a good person. Uh, probably. But um, yeah. so I met you there. Super nice guy. And then when I saw you at Old Pueblo, um, and I mean this in the most complimentary way possible, you acted as if I were your best friend. You were, <laughs> I mean, genuinely very nice, very um, excited to just be there to see someone you knew. Um, and it was a really cool thing. And then the race started and you were continually as nice. But, uh, before we, before we get there, one more little aside for me is there were some other people at the race that I felt were getting, um, an undue amount of attention and just kind of the juxtaposition of someone that's incredibly nice being seemingly overlooked while someone that's not so nice being doted and like adored upon. I just, that really pushed me over the edge to see if I could hear your story of, of, not just old Pueblo, but like kind of how you got to where you are today. So, yeah. Um, well, I mean, it was awesome to see you there. We, I feel like the pivot family was huge at old Pueblo, obviously with pivot, just being up the road, like in Phoenix or Tempe. Exactly. So it was cool to have you there and in there around their pit crew. So yeah, it was awesome to see you there. Um, long story short, I got involved in mountain biking for my dad. Um, he always raced mountain bikes when I was younger and I raced motorcycles at a young age and I, the tracks were kind of far from our house, probably 45 minutes to an hour. And my dad kept telling me like, Hey, you have a mountain in your backyard in Phoenix, which was South mountain. Why don't you pick up riding? And I kept pushing it off, pushing it off. And, uh, he basically mm, kind of stopped driving me to the motorcycle track. And that was the push to get me into riding. Um, been riding ever since I was introduced to downhill racing. So I raced downhill for, for most of the time. Um, and then made the switch to race a little bit of endurance stuff. The primary focus was enduro for a bit, which was so much fun. Like I loved it, loved every bit of it. Uh, and then we moved to Colorado, my wife, Mary and I, and then being so close to Jonathan Davis, I naturally fell back into the endurance scene with help and guidance from him. And that's where we've been doing since 2015. So where did you, and where'd you live in Colorado? We lived in Dillon, which was awesome, but a total shock for people from Phoenix, Arizona. <laughs> like I would go on rides uh, in August above treeline and it would be snowing on me. And I had, I was totally unprepared. I was like, this is a total life change from Phoenix where it was 115 or more that time of year. So, uh, and I had to get used to riding indoors, which was a total bummer. But where we live, we were like two miles from Keystone, a ski resort and the winters were just super harsh, really harsh. Like nothing I'd ever seen before. Yeah, like even if you'd had a fat bike, it would have been pretty impossible to do any appreciable outdoor training. Yeah, like unless unless you went to the golf course and did laps on like the cross country ski trails, like just the groomed trails around the golf course, you couldn't really do anything outside. Uh, which was something I just had to accept and ride the trainer when I could, or or not ride when 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 I could. So yeah, it was good though. That was like the most fun year of, of my life living in Colorado, experiencing something new with my wife and our two dogs. Like life was super easy in a small town like that compared to where we live now in Phoenix. It's just more of a hustle. Yeah. It's like, I live in Salida and 
it's it's like, oh, I need to be at such and such at three o'clock. And at like 2.53, I just walk out of my door and walk over there, you know? <laughs> yeah, like don't have to account for traffic. It's like you could probably just hop on your bike and go, huh? I, at this point, like I live so close to the grocery store. By the time I like get on my bike, ride over there, lock it up, get inside, come back out, unlock it and ride home, I, I just walk. Like <laughs> <laughs> That is awesome. That's like, that's my dream right there. Um, it is really nice. You know, it, it has its, I would say it has its downfalls, but I'm, I'm really not finding them yet. Um, yeah. If you loved going to like fancy coffee shops or, you know, concerts and stuff, sure. You might be a little bummed, but that's not my deal. Yeah. You guys got your own little place up in the, up in the mountains there. You have to probably dozens of trails right out your door. Yeah. It's five minutes to the trail, three to five minutes. Oh my gosh. That's awesome. Um, That's so cool. Yeah. So you, uh, what, you, what made you move back to Phoenix? So I have had like serious stomach issues my entire life. Um, when we moved to Colorado, we were actually flying back to Phoenix for some surgeries that I was having on my stomach. Uh, and it just became too much like traveling back and forth from, Colorado, we'd have to drive from Dillon to Denver, hop on a plane, come to Phoenix, see some doctors, and then go back. It was nothing super serious, but it was just we were in a long process of getting my stomach sorted out. So we moved back here to be closer to the doctors I was seeing at the time, get that all sorted out. And that's kind of why we we had some attempts at Old Pueblo in 2015, and the stomach just basically imploded on me. <laughs> And I've, I've learned a lot for myself during that whole process of, of getting my stomach fixed. And I think a lot of it was, was trying to honestly deal with nerves and stuff like that, which I'm grateful for moving back to Phoenix. So I was able to figure that out. So that's why, that's why we've been back here since 20 July of 2015. So almost you're going on your third year back in Phoenix. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't mind the summers at all here. Like I, actually prefer the summer to the winter. I think it's one of those things like with you guys, you guys can handle the cold weather when it's 50 degrees for me, like at a start of a race in the morning, I am absolutely miserably cold. Like 50 degrees is my breaking point. Yeah. But you're, what are you? You're like six foot tall, aren't you? I'm like five ten. Okay. And probably one fifty. Uh, like 145, 150 between there. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, you don't, I'm 6'2", 150. You don't, don't tell me I do well in the cold. Like, I, I get it. <laughs> it's miserable, man. Like, the thing that hurts the most is like when I'm standing on the starting line and I'm like shivering and I look over and there's some like beefcake dude in like a summer kit and fingerless gloves. <laughs> oh, gosh. That's like. I dread the first hour of any early start. Like I, I can't even tell you it's, it's so painful as if the race isn't painful enough. Then your, your hands hurt, your toes hurt, like everything just, it's brutal. So old Pueblo noon start. You like that, don't you? Yeah. I, I much prefer the noon start. Uh, I raced in arm warmers the entire race though. Like I never took my arm warmers off. Were they proper warmers or sun sleeves? Uh, they're proper warmers, like thermal, yeah, they were, <laughs> I mean, the first day I never once was like, I'm over, I'm overheated. And I wore a base layer and everything like that during the first day. Never once did I have an issue. Yeah, that you're a little colder than I am. And that's, that's hard to believe. Um, yeah. So, so you made a few attempts at Old Pueblo before this one. Um, yep. First year you said stomach issues took you out. What, what happened next? So yeah, I made a couple attempts before the stomach in 15, but they were nothing serious. Like I just kind of went there to, to ride my bike and really not, I really had no idea what I was doing. Uh, in 2015 is when I started working with Jonathan and I had more of an idea of what was going on. The stomach blew up then. And once we moved back to Phoenix, it was like, okay, that's going to be my goal for the next year leading into 20, uh, what would that be? 2016. Uh, before 2016 and 2017, each of those Januaries, my knee went bad. I had a, my right knee just went totally bad. Um, 
So we learned last year that it was something called Plica syndrome in my right knee. It was pretty painful every time I ride. So I was pretty much limited to riding for about 20 minutes. That was like the longest ride I could go on. Uh, and so in 2016 and 2017, I basically realized like, if I can only ride 20 minutes, there's obviously no way in hell I can ride for 24 hours. So we were prepared physically, mentally, and financially for each of those races. And then each January had to pull the plug, which was kind of devastating because my wife, Mary, is so invested in my cycling and the travels that we do that it was it was a huge bummer for the both of us. Like we didn't really know when the next time I'd get a chance to do it. If my knees were just saying, no, you can't ride that long. Um, so I decided to get surgery in January of last year and it was the best decision I ever made. Like I had relief right when I woke up from surgery and they were encouraging me to get back on the bike as soon as possible to kind of loosen up my knee. But that time, 2017 OP had passed. So I knew deep down that 2018 was going to be the year I was going to go there as prepared physically and mentally as possible. And the knee held up during training from starting in September until the race, which was now two and a half weeks ago. So at that point though, did you like come out of surgery and they were like, get on your bike as soon as possible. And was it like a uh, that moment decision. I mean, maybe not like full committal, but like in the, like you said, deep down inside, like you knew that you were now working to OP 2018. Yeah. Like I remember making a promise to myself in 2015, I was pretty devastated when my stomach blew up. Like I, like anybody knows that goes to races, they spend money to get there. And it's a, it's a big deal. Like you travel, you take time off work, you, you make the commitment to go there and when things go wrong, whether they're in your control or out of your control, it sucks. Um, and I took it pretty hard. Like I had trained my ass off for it and to have, I felt like I kind of had it taken away from me. Um, and I made a promise to myself and Mary, like I wasn't going to give up on chasing the goal of old Pueblo until I made it happen for us. And it was kind of extreme to think of a bike race like that but it was more about not giving up on something that we had set out to do. So once I got the surgery last year, there was no question like now that the knee's fixed, we're going to go back to do the job that we set out to do in 2015. Um, Training obviously didn't start until I didn't really focus on old Pueblo training until around September, October of 2017 for this, this recent race. But yeah, I, it was, it was pretty much immediate. Like now that the knee's fixed, we're going to go to old Pueblo. Yeah. And even if you said you like weren't working for old Pueblo, you probably raced some in 2017, right? Yeah, we did. Honestly, we stepped out of the, the stuff that we're used to and did like all shorter races, shorter meaning like, like marathon kind of distance stuff, like two and a half to three hours, which was a shock to me. Like, that stuff is super fun, but holy cow, it is a total different world. And I have the most respect for those people. Like it's a different type of pain and it's, I love it. And I really want to get, I want to improve on it, but oh my gosh, it's painful. Yeah. It's like, uh, it's, it's just long form cross country really. Yeah, it definitely is. And it's awesome. Like, it's cool to race, like to totally turn yourself inside out for three hours. And then you have the rest of the day to hang out and talk with people and, and you can do stuff with your day versus <laughs> you race a 12 or 24 hour race. And you're obviously you're committed to that time of racing itself, but also just the recovery of like kind of accepting that you're going to be pretty worked for at least a couple days, if not weeks after. Right. Yeah. Like you can't, like you can race for two or three hours and then still hop in a group ride on Wednesday and not get shelled out. Yeah. 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 That's, that's the benefit of that racing for sure. But it's, it is super difficult. Yeah. It's definitely not, um, it's not, it's a different type of fun, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But But it's great training. And I think it's great training for, for the long races for sure. Right. Because it, 
it works on all those things that, and I would, I don't, I've never done a 24 hour race. Um, I mean, I went to old Pueblo, but our team had issues and we didn't get to finish. Um, one of our teammates left in a helicopter. So that really, uh, dampened the whole racing weekend. But, um, I know I remember talking to you actually during the race and I remember seeing the helicopter come in when I was on course and thinking to myself, like, I hope that's not somebody that crashed that they're just out flying around maybe. And when I talked to you, sure enough, it was, I think it was your boss. You said, yeah. And that is like it in the place where I think it happened is the place you definitely don't want to crash. Yeah, it did happen in the, in the seven bitches. Yeah, oh, man, that's I'm I hope he's doing well. That's scary stuff. Yeah, so maybe a little for everyone out there. There's this one section of the race course that is uh well, you've ridden it more than me, but it's high speed gas line with ruts, right? I mean, that's the best way to describe yep. it. And that's I think that's where I think a lot of people are like how can people crash on this section, but that's just it is I think people overlook it. They think it's a double track road. And how can you crash when everybody rides mountain bikes down gnarly stuff? But it's high speed. It's double track. There's kind of some ruts in there and sand. And if you're not paying attention, it can grab you. And it seems like every year there's someone who gets hurt there. Yeah. And I think I saw somewhere, though, that there was 105,000 miles ridden during Old Pueblo. Oh my gosh, that is insane. So, you know, that's like almost expected then if you look at it that way, you know? Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely going to be crashes out of that many miles written. Um, but yeah, I'm glad he's doing better. But yeah, so you came into the race and you were, you were on it. You, what was your first lap time? Like it was fast, wasn't it? Like real fast. Uh, I think, ooh. I think it was like a 102 or something like that. But that first lap is kind of, you can't really count that first lap because they kind of do a little bit of deviation from the, the standard lap just because you can't really have that many people bottlenecking into single track right away. So that first lap is always quicker other than that horrible, horrible run to start things off. Like that thing is the most dreaded part of the race. It's long. It's really long. Yeah. And when you're walking it to go to the start of the run, I feel like it's, you're like, eh, it's not that bad. And the second you start running, it just gets longer and longer. Well, I run a little bit and like, you know, there's that one little roller in the road. Yeah. Like, kind of like as you get to the porta potties kind of, uh, it's like, it, it's like halfway in the run. There's this one little roller yep. and I got there and I like got to the top and I was like, oh, I have to go that far again. Like this. <laughs> it's so bad. Yeah. And, um, but yeah, you did. So, I mean, you said, uh, one Oh two, yada, yada, but like a fast first lap was like 57, you know, you didn't, you weren't far off pace of like the, so the, the team guys. Yeah. And the funny thing about that is like, I was, I think I was like third or fourth solo at that point in, I didn't even, I didn't know for certain, but I just had a game plan and I was going to stay, I was going to stick to my game plan and not worry about what other people were doing because in the first hour of a 24 hour race, everybody feels good. And like everybody (laughs) wants to go fast. (laughs) Oh man. That's a, I mean, that's like such a realistic thing to say, you know, but it's so hilarious to hear that. Like, of course everyone feels good in the first hour. Yeah, like, but you signed up for a twenty-four hour race, not a, not a, not a one-hour race. So you uh, you went quickly though. Um, I remember, like, I went to the hospital and we were hanging out. And I mean, the my boss was like fully coherent. Um, like, we even have a photo of us like passing off the the old Pueblo baton. Like, they cut his jersey off and we found his jersey, and he like gave us the baton back. Um, oh, like in the did, hospital. Was, did he get- did he like lose consciousness out on court? Yeah, he lost an amount of time. Like he, oh he said when he came to, he didn't like if someone had told him he had gotten hit walking to the grocery store, he would have believed them. Like he didn't know what he didn't know he was in a bike race. He didn't know what state he was in. 
He didn't, Ugh. he didn't have any concept of like, someone asked him if he knew where he was on course and he knew he was, he was like, well, I must be racing because I'm on course. That is so scary. <laughs> oh man. I feel that is not, that's not good. No, not at all. But I remember we, we went to the hospital and then we went to dinner and I looked at your, I pulled up your results at dinner. Um, and I was like, man, Taylor is because at this point it was like nine o'clock at night and you had taken the lead by then. Right. Mm-hmm. I, th- I didn't, well, that was the thing is I didn't want to know what place I was in or even what time it was until what I thought was going to be between like two in the morning or five in the morning. I just didn't, I didn't want to know. So do you not run a Garmin or anything? No, I ran a Garmin, but I, all I was basically looking at was like lap times and I would reset each lap, but I wouldn't really keep track of like what lap I was on or the time of day. I would just keep, I would just be like, I should be say on, um, this part of the course at this time, if I want to be consistent, I got you. Like I'm going to enter like the corral trail by this time. Yeah. And if I was off, then I was going to try to speed up a little bit. And if I didn't have the speed, then I was just going to work with what I had. Or, I mean, did you ever have a time where you look down and you're like, Ooh, I need to back off. Like, was that ever an issue? No. Well, so that was like my thing coming into this race was, I had for the like two weeks prior, I was pretty obsessed with studying lap times, uh, especially with being coached by Jonathan Davis. He had the current record at old Pueblo and like, so I was looking at his lap times like crazy and he was super helpful with telling me nonstop. He's like, Taylor, you have to pace this race. doesn't matter how fast you go the first 12 hours. It matters how fast you go the second 12 hours. So I was pretty stoked with myself of, of what I thought was going to be going relatively not slow, but finding a pace that I was confident I could withstand for the whole 24 hours. And it's really weird because the first like 10 hours, you're like, man, I I have so much more speed in the tank, but you know, deep down that like, you're going to pay for it if you, if you go faster when the sun comes up. So I never really felt like I had to back off. It almost felt like you could go faster, but I'm really glad I didn't. So like you just pretty much like you egged yourself on into going like what felt a tiny bit faster, but really was just keeping on pace the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. That was my thing was just like, watch, watch heart rate. I, I have a stages power meter, but I really didn't look at that. I, that would kind of get in my head if I saw power dropping off. So it was like, don't don't bring your heart rate up too high and then just know where to be on course for that certain amount of time. Well, cool. Yeah, I saw you. So when we got back to the course, um, I had told myself like, okay, I'm going to go back out on course. I figured that Sean or my boss would be really excited if I did some night laps. And uh-huh. we had set the goal that once we went to night laps, we were going to start doing doubles. And I set out to do two sets of doubles. I was going to like tell Sean, like I did my night laps and your night laps, you know, but um, I ended up only getting in three, but on my first lap, you caught me. And I was like, I I was like, is that you Taylor? You're like, yeah. I was like, dude, you're killing it. And like, I caught you for a minute. And like, we rode together for a minute and chatted. And that's when you heard about Sean and stuff. But like, dude, I was like fresh and I couldn't hold your pace. Like it was, you were, you you looked awesome out there, especially on that, on that fresh new pivot. Oh dude, it's, it's fresh for certain. Like <laughs> it had like, I guess at that point in the, it probably had like 35 miles on it ever. <laughs> oh, that's so awesome. Um, no, that so. was, that was super cool. Running into you out there. Like, man, just being able to talk to people during a race like that. So you can kind of get out of your own head is so helpful. And like, you were so nice to me, offered some super good words of encouragement and that means like that goes a long way. Uh, I know to me and other solo racers. So like I haven't been able to thank you for that, but I I really appreciate you being super nice to me out there. Oh yeah, it's that's what it's all about, you know. Like we're all there to have a good time, you know, and and really like I mean, ultimately you, you did what you wanted to do, which was you you won, you were the overall solo male winner, but 
you still had fun doing that, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's there. It's hard to look at these races as like a quote unquote solo effort because I am so lucky to have my wife, Mary be, like I said, be as invested, if not honestly more invested in my racing than I am. Um, and then our best friends came out to help in the pit crew. So they kept it super fun the whole time. Like they brought a keg with them. So they were getting pretty rowdy in the pit, which it helps a lot when you come through and you see people like having a good time and, and they can keep it light. Like, yeah, it, it, there's part, there's parts of times out there that really suck and that you're suffering. But when you know that people are there to support you and they're enjoying staying up all night doing that, it makes it fun. And I had fun the whole time. I mean, I had one pretty serious, scary issue that I was able to get through. But other than that, like it was a truly fun time with amazing people out on course. Yeah. And before we get into the issue of my eyes, um, <laughs> that's the note you, we talked about a little bit before we started. And that's the note I wrote down my eyes with exclamation points <laughs> that look like eyes. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, like if you're coming around and even if you're having a bad lap, if you know your whole crew's having a good time, you don't want to cruise into the pit and be like, everything sucks because you'll spoil their good time. You like fake it and then you believe it by the time you're through the transition tent, right? Yeah, totally. And like you're your, like, you're your own worst enemy in these solo races. And I do not have the mental game figured out, right? Like I'm far from being perfect in the mental game. Uh, but I learned more about myself mentally at Old Pueblo this year than I thought would be possible. And I think a lot of that was before the start of the race. Um, I actually work with a, started working with a sports psychologist. Um, I'm not ashamed to say that at all. And it, it helped me a ton. And with the help of her, her name's Kristen Keim um, and Mary, we came up with these two words that I would tape to my handlebars that I was going to look at throughout the race. And one of the words was don't bitch. So we got stickers made that said, don't bitch on my handlebar. And one of them that said patience. I remember looking at the don't bitch thing. And it was like, I chose to do this race. So don't complain about it when it sucks. Cause it's going to suck. Like there's going to be times where it really sucks. And I remember Mary saying that to me multiple times coming through. And that's kind of what kept the mood light. Like just have fun and don't complain about when you feel like shit. Yeah, because of course you're going to. You're going to try to ride your bike for 24 hours. You know, like you're you're going to feel bad. Yeah, and and it may sound like I have like the mental thing figured out because one race went well, and that's so far from the truth. Like, I mean, some races you can just have a bad race and you can mentally not be there, and everything seems to hurt 10 times worse and everything just doesn't line up, but Luckily for me, Old Pueblo lined up. Everything worked, and my mental game was clear. I was able to stay happy. So, yeah, it was just a overall a super positive race. So did you spend any time off the bike? So towards the end of the race, we were lucky enough to grow a pretty big gap that I was able to get off the bike for about the last – four pits. So like the last four laps I would come through, I was lucky enough to be able to step off the bike and like talk to Mary, talk to my pit crew for like a minute or two, which helped me mentally like to know that real life is still there because <laughs> you can kind of get so wrapped up in the race after racing for 18 to 20 hours. So I was able to step off the bike for a minute or two on those last four laps. And did you like, did you have to not cheat, but like, how did your last lap play out? So for those of you that don't know, um, a 23 hour and 58 minute effort at old Pueblo does not count. It has to be 24 hours or longer. So like, did you have to like hang out in the pit for a minute on your last lap to cruise in? Or was it timed out where you got to just ride through and go home? So I had Mary and I were the only people to know we had set a goal back in September and deep down her and I knew I wanted 20 laps. Like that was, I didn't care if 20 laps got me fifth place or 10, like 
I didn't care what place I landed. As long as I met my goal of 20 laps, I was going to be happy. So that was the whole thing was like, I wouldn't, as much as I would have hated to come through at 11.59.59, if that was my 19th lap, I was going to go out for lap 20. Like we had put so much time and effort into it. I was going to get that 20th lap if obviously things lined up, which in this case they did luckily. So I came through and when I finished my 20th, it was like 12, just past 12, I think 12, 14 or something, 12, 15, something like that. So I was able to be done. I didn't have to go out again, which was pretty awesome. Cause I was, I was, I was over it by then. If you, um, but like, say you had finished lap 20 in 11:59, would you have just slow rolled or would you have done 21? That's tough to say. Mary probably would have forced me out on 21. Um, I would have wanted to be done. It's tough to say. I, I don't know. I mean, at that point, if you have one minute to go, you're probably just going to say, I'm going to wait in the pit. If it's close though, if the race is really tight, you kind of got to go out. You can't risk it. But we were fortunate enough to have built up a lead at that point of, of, I think of hour and, and something where we could afford to, if it came down to that, we could afford to wait. Yeah, Cause you had lapped second, right? Yeah. At that point. Yes. Yeah. Yep. So your eyes, what happened with your eyes? Oh man, that was scary. So I think I figured it out now what, what really happened, but at about midnight I came, well, prior to coming into my pit, I have no idea what lap it was. I just know it was, was close to midnight or felt like that. Um, I was out on the course and my eyes were just super, super blurry. Almost, almost like when you were a kid, like little, and you'd open up your eyes under chlorine and you, and at night, everything was really blurry. So I was all over the trail on one of my laps, like going off course on the single track, like the fun kind of swoopy single track and like into bushes and stuff like that. And I honestly, I started to panic, like, this can't be happening. This could be the race. So I pulled into my pit, whatever lap that was. And luckily, Mary and my pit crew could tell, like, I was, I was panicking. I was freaking out. Like, I couldn't really see. Everything was just super blurred and, like, tunnel vision. And they realized right then and there, like, look, if we take two minutes in the pits right now to get your eyes fixed, whether obviously we didn't want to stop for that long in the pit that early in the race, only halfway. We were trying to keep our pits for like 20 to 30 seconds throughout the whole race. Let's fix the issue now. So then we save the second half of the race. So they were able to calm me down in that, in that pit, that transition. Um, and I realized I really wasn't blinking. So my friends, Taylor and Chase were like, Taylor, you need to start blinking. Like your eyes are super dry. And Mary pulled me aside and was like, look, like she basically told me to pull my shit together and kind of man up and just figure it out. And so they pushed me back out and sure enough, my eyes didn't get perfect. They were still pretty blurry until honestly Sunday evening after the race, but I was able to kind of like calm down, start blinking, produce tears in my eyes and it got better. And looking back now, what I think it was is I was just so focused on the trail like I was so so focused on meeting my goal of 20 laps, but I kind of just got this tunnel vision like of looking through a headlamp for at that point, it wasn't that long, only six hours or so, but I think I was just mentally so focused on the trail and looking through that beam that my eyes just went bad for that hour or hour and a half. Was that your like really slow lap, like that hour 40 that slipped in there? Yeah, it was like an hour 22 or something like oh, that. Okay. Um, and it was, a, it, was a, it was a fast lap, but I'm super thankful that they were able to realize, like, look, let's, let's fix his eyes now. Because you really need your pit crew to kind of do the thinking for you at that point. Um, and they did that for me. And I'm so happy that they did that and they could realize, like, let's calm him down. Let's... Let's take advantage of this break time and get some food and some some hydration going. Um, 
and it, it worked out in the long run. But man, that was that was scary because I thought like after looking at the past three years, like this can't be happening. Like we've been so invested and something else is going to happen. But luckily Mary, she seriously told me, she just goes, pull your shit together and, and figure it out. So. Well, that's good. That happened. And that two minutes, like even though it felt like an eternity, if you had just went back out, you easily could have wasted five or 10 minutes in that next lap trying to get that under control. Yeah. And it ended up being a lot longer than two minutes actually in the pit, but it was more of like two minutes of just like figuring out the eye issue. Gotcha. um, But yeah, who knows? Like if I would have just blazed through, then I could have crashed or or something like that. So you really just need your pit crew to kind of do the thinking for you. And in my case, they did. And I'm lucky for that. Yeah. I saw on Instagram story, you were like, Mary was trying to pick nail polish and you or some type of makeup. And you had an Instagram story that was like, can you just hurry up and pick one? And I wanted, you know, like now that I've know you even this much more, like I should have just replied to him like, dude, she wiped your face for 24 hours, giving you bottles. <laughs> Give the woman all the time she wants to pick her damn makeup. Oh my gosh. I know. I like, I'm so lucky to have her in my corner, especially during 24 hour races. Like I think I honestly think that the support role has got to be more difficult than the riding in the terms of staying awake, because you get all these questions after 24 hours. It's like, how did you stay awake like that? And you're like, to be honest with you, it's very easy to stay awake. You're forced to stay awake. You're pedaling a bike. Like you're having fun. Your your adrenaline's going, you don't really get sleepy, but if you're doing the support, like you get amped up for 30 seconds to a minute every hour to hour and 15 minutes. And then it's like quiet and cold and dark until the next time you come around. <laughs> so for them to stay awake the whole time and to be as like energetic when I would come through, man, I don't, I don't know how they do it. Like to me, that just sounds brutal. So what's your, what's your thing that you do for her? Like, how do you repay all of that? (laughs) We are, so we've been together for over 10 years now. We've been married now for just over a year. How old are you? Uh, uh, 28. Okay. So we've been together for a long time. We are the best of friends. We have our two dogs together. We spend all of our time together. And when we hang out with our friends, it's with each other. We're lucky to have the same friend group. Um, so we're always, we're, we're always helping each other. with, And that's why I think we're such a good team. Uh, and her, like I said, she's so enthusiastic about my bike racing. And I honestly think she's more invested in it than I am at times. Like when I, I feel really bad some weekends, especially leading into old Pueblo, I would go out for, for six, seven, eight hours. And she would, she would stay at home with the dogs and she never once complained about it. Like she was the one who'd forced me out the door. Um, so, I mean, I wish I could repay her more for what she does for me. Maybe I need to, maybe I need to think of something huge to do for her, but I haven't, I haven't found a way to, to repay her in the way that she, she gives it to me. So you told me you work from home. Is there ever, do you ever leave your lunch dishes in the sink before she comes home from work? (laughs) That's one thing I do is because I'm lucky enough to work from home for an awesome company like bike flights. I try to keep up on the house a lot more. So when she, she works for pivot cycles um, and she's super busy. So she leaves early in the morning. She gets home sometimes late in the evening. So I try my best to, to keep the dogs entertained. So they're not super crazy when she gets home and try to keep the house clean. But I sometimes slack off on that. <laughs> so you're a good house husband is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, that's something, you know, like, yeah. And she, uh, it's cool. Cause she's actually, she did her one of her first mountain bike races back when was it in January at like a, we have a really cool local series here called the Mount MBAA series. And she has a pivot 429 trail and she went out and did her first race. And actually she won her first mountain bike race. And that was the coolest thing to be there supporting her. And whether or not she really 
is like super into riding. She appreciates it. And she does go out and ride with people after work. Um, we, we ride sometimes together, not as much as we'd both like, but that was awesome. So if she gets into mountain bike racing, I'm there to support her 100%. And do you think that you guys don't ride together on maybe it's subconsciously, but it's on purpose. Like she knows that you have an agenda and you know, like that, that wouldn't be a compatible ride. I don't, um, I think it's more of the timing thing. Like we both would love to ride together. More. Okay. She is super busy with work. I, depending on what time I work, I'll either ride really, really early in the mornings or in the evenings, sometimes in the afternoon. So the timing just doesn't really work out. Um, just because I have a schedule that I stick to doesn't mean I, I can't ride with her. I would, I'd be more than happy to either get my ride done with and then go ride with her or ride with her and then go do what I'm supposed to do for, for the, the, the scheduled gotcha. ride day. But yeah, I think it's just more of a timing issue. Um, well, cool. So you ride a pivot, like you you race by yourself. You're a, a, not necessarily a privateer racer, but you're a solo racer. Um, what all do you ride? So I'm lucky enough to be supported by pivot cycles. Um, right now I have two vaults, like a one for road specific, one for gravel, which is totally new to me. And then my mountain bikes currently are a less, which I spent the whole race, uh, the whole 24 hour race on the less. And then I also have a 429 SL. So, which the SL is like one of the most fun bikes ever, especially when you can throw like a 120 on a, on the front 120 mil fork with a dropper post, it, it seriously turns into a trail bike. Yeah. I think that's the most versatile bike that's ever been made. We've talked about that a bunch on the shows. Like, it's, yeah. You, yeah. It's in, it's insane. It's that bike is so good. Yeah. Like if you have a sit and a rigid post, it's like an XC bike and you put a pike and a dropper on it and it's like, wow. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. Like, and that's, what's cool about it is you can just, all you need to do is basically change the fork from a hundred to a one twenty, and like you said, dropper post or rigid post, and it's a it's a different bike. So like this weekend, we're going to the True Grit one hundred, which I don't really not not very. I don't know how that's going to play out after racing a twenty four, but I can't turn down the opportunity to go ride my bike on those trails, especially since I just put a one twenty on my SL and a dropper post like i can't not so are you gonna race and like in the first probably like you said everybody feels good for the first hour of a 24 but this is one of those things in the first hour or so you'll probably know what's gonna happen right yeah yeah i mean to be honest with you like my legs feel pretty good after old pueblo but anytime i try to do any efforts right now it my legs just aren't cooperating and it's not so much a physical fatigue. It's more of like a mental fatigue. So in that first hour, I'll know if like I want to go fast or if, if I don't want to go fast and I just want to ride, that's cool too. Like I'll just pedal around for the race. And I mean, the trails out in true at, at the true great 100 are so good, especially if you have a, a bike like the, the SL, like it'll be fun no matter how it goes. Well, cool. What, um, so you race for pivot you have, I'm, I'm on your sponsor site now. You have good stuff. I mean, your bike looks really good. Did, so you, did you take the SL with you? Like if you had gotten like a sore back or things had been weird, would you have hopped on your other bike? Yeah. So we had, I'm, I'm super fortunate to have two bikes, two identical bikes. Like the fit is the same, um, same saddle, same Ergon saddles. Um, like everything's the same on them. Um, for me, I probably should have changed to the SL late, late in the race, but I was in this mental mood. I was in this mood of telling myself like everything's going perfect right now. So why change something up? So I just stayed on my last, the hardtail the whole time. And it was fine. Like that course, that course is fast. Like, you know, like there's some swoopy sections and single track and there's a couple rocks at the end, but I think it's a hardtail yeah. course. Oh, I mean, what do I you mean, think? 
if I was going to race a team, like if somebody told me tomorrow, like, hey, we're going to OP to race a team tomorrow. And like, I only had a rigid bike. I'd be like, okay, fine. Like, you know, you said there is a couple of rocks, but it's like very buff trail. Like the trail is super buff, but like the sections that have rocks, it's not like lumpy trail into a rock garden. It's like buff trail into a rock garden. So it's literally like a couple of rocks to navigate full on the gas, a couple of rocks to navigate full on the gas. Like it's never like you're holding on like E, ah, ooh, ooh, geez, ah, you know, like. It's never like that. Yeah. It's, I mean, I mean, I think it's it's a hardtail friendly course. I think personally, if I was going to make a solo attempt at it, something like a 49 SL or a Trek top fuel, you know, just a very efficient um, or honestly, an epic, you know, an efficient full suspension bike might be better, you know, just because I've, you know, to be on the bike that long for the first time to to be extra comfortable probably wouldn't be a bad thing. But also, yeah, yeah. and it's minimal climbing. You. So it's like the weight penalty isn't really going to get you, you know. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny. I mean, God, the first day, like the first 12 hours, you're like, man, this course seems flat. But, oh, my gosh, man, the, the second 12, like, every climb, you're like, the, I swear to God, these things have gotten steeper. Like, especially that back climb, which is basically the only significant climb on the course, which is, which really isn't that bad. But, man, that thing, I think it's longer and longer each well, lap. Well, the other thing like. is, is it's, it is very buff. So, like, you can lay down power on it. It's not like the type of climb where you're, like, navigating a little route here going over this little ledge it's just like sit in the saddle and go very steady yep yep and to be honest with you we got so lucky with the weather conditions like mary and i went out there the weekend prior to the race to drop off our our van so we had a spot and we i i did four laps out on the course and mary did a lap and I just wanted to kind of get familiar with it and, and make sure that bikes were dialed in. And it was so dry and dusty and windy. Like it was, it was sketchy. Like every corner was kind of like kitty litter. So that rain that we got in the days leading up to it was pretty, it was almost too much traction. It felt like at times, like it kind of felt Velcro-y, like it would slow you down. Yeah. Like there was a few places that did feel... Like right when you left the transition tent, that's that single track right there felt very like it felt heavy. Yeah, like almost almost sandy. Yeah, like like a teaspoon more of water and it would have been mud almost. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But we overall I think we lucked out massively. Yeah. Well, cool. Well, what else do you want to cover? I mean, you you met your goal and I, I was just like, I mean, it's a bummer of like how our weekend went. Um I think as a shop, we're going to go back with a shop team. Are you going to race Old Pueblo again? Uh, well, well, I won't be racing it next year. Um, we it looks well, we have committed now to actually. This is kind of fresh news that we're going to be going to Scotland in October for the twenty four hour world okay. championships. So okay. I think October. The race is in October in Scotland. That's only a four month turnaround and I'm not interested in trying to do 24 is that close together. Like two in a year from is kind of more than I want to do, but the opportunity is there and we're fortunate enough to be given the opportunity. So we're going to, we're going to do that. Um, I wouldn't be opposed to doing it on a team though. Like a shop team, like you say you're doing, that sounds like a blast or just like a fun team, like a corporate team, like just a party team. That would be, yeah. Be awesome. With the, you know, with the corporate teams, you can have like, a zillion people. So you do like one or two laps, you know, and really you would just, you would do a cross country like effort and then you would hang out for like eight hours and maybe do another cross country effort and then maybe do one more lap. Probably not. Yeah. And just cook out, hang out, help people that need help go cheer at the, the rock slab. And yeah, I mean, I'm definitely up to doing that next year. Cool. Uh But as, as far as doing old Pablo right now, I don't really, I don't know. Maybe, maybe down the road. Well, I mean, you have a whole nother race to really focus on before then, you know? So, I mean, you say you're going to true grit, so I'm sure you'll do some racing along the year, but you'll have a, a big goal to focus on for October. So yeah, that, that'll be the primary focus for the year now, which 
which is pretty exciting for us. We've never been over over to Europe, so. Well, cool. Well, anything else? No, man, I think I'm good. Just if I could thank all the people that have helped along the way, that would be awesome. Go for it. So, I've been, like I said, I've been fortunate enough to to have support from from Pivot and first and foremost, obviously my wife, her support is like means the world to me. Um, Pivot Industry 9, Infinite, Maxis, uh, DNA Clothing, Ergon, Cali Protectives, uh, Elevated Legs, Hogs, Stages, and Time Pedals. Like, and this, there's no way I could go race my bike without the, the support of those people. Like, it means the world to me to, to know that they even think about me the way that they do. So it's, it's so greatly appreciated. I, I can't even put it into words. Well, that's awesome. Um, and thank you, man. Like, thank you for having me on here. This has been, this has been awesome. And and thank you again for being so nice oh, to me no, out man. there. Like, like, like I said, it's, that, it's all about you. I mean, you're, you were the one that set the tone of being super friendly and like, you and Mary, like, and I mean this in like the nicest way possible. Like you guys are adorable. Like you're both very kind and like polite and just so happy. You know, it's like, <laughs> I appreciate that, man. So, you know, to like, see you guys there, that was like comforting to me to like, it's like, oh, I kind of know these people. And then they were super nice. And then, like I said, there was people there doting accolades upon others. And I was just like, no, this guy is like the hero of the weekend. You know, <laughs> he's like, just like Mr. Nice guy over here. Well, if you, if you ever get to Phoenix and want to do some, some desert riding, you guys are welcome to stay at our place. So long as you can deal with dog hair floating around the house. Dog hair is a part of my life. We, uh, (laughs) yeah, it's, it's, that's, I have a dog. He, he pretty much is glued to me all the time. So I get it. Dog (laughs) hair is fine. I've heard it's high in protein, so I just eat it now. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. So, well, cool. Thank you again, Taylor. And it's, it was really cool to be there and, and see see that go down for you. So I'm really glad it worked out. Thank you, man. Thank you. Like I said, thanks for having me on here. It's I've been listening to the show for, for a long time. So it's, it's a special thing for me. So I appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Well, thanks for taking the time to be with us. Um, how can people get in touch with you if they have any questions? Uh, I'm on Instagram at T um, which I primarily use. And then actually thanks you can thank Mary for this. She's, I'm not smart enough to do this, but she made an awesome looking website, taylorladine.com. Um, I don't use Facebook very much, but Instagram and the website are probably the best ways to do it. And if you email me, I, I'll try my best to get back. Sometimes it takes me a couple of days, but I'll do my best. Well, cool. Well, thanks again for taking the time. And if anyone has questions, yeah, taylorladine.com or find them on Instagram. Um, there'll be links to all that stuff in the show page like normal. And thanks, everyone, for listening. Thank you. See you later, guys.